Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast for this 11th of June 2017. I'm your host Jason. Today I'm joined by Neil. What's up? And we're also joined by Justin. I'm back. Oh yeah. He's back after a couple week hiatus from the podcast. It's good to have you back. Feels great to be back and honestly it feels like I haven't been here in a month. <laughs> if you have any feedback for us, hit us up on Twitter at Post to Post Show. If you want to write an email, it's post to post show at gmail.com. And as always, check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash post to post. So what's going on, guys? Not much. Justin, we're glad to have you back, buddy. It feels amazing to be back. I hate missing out on things, but sometimes, you know, real life gets in the way and it's hard to, you know, find that spare time sometimes. Yep. Like when we do the, we did another live stream recently and, uh. As always, people asking, where's Justin? Yeah, unfortunately, I had to miss it. You see, I, I work days, my wife works nights, so she was working the night of the live stream, so I was home with my children that night. Mm. So we got Justin back, so we may as well just jump right into this Pittsburgh-Nashville series. Woo! What do you think of the last game? <laughs> well, obviously, I'm smiling ear to ear as a Penguins fan. At the same time, though, you almost kind of hate to see a blowout, especially in the Stanley Cup final. You know, it wasn't very competitive, and because the score was so lopsided, it wasn't as entertaining. I mean, you could look at it from a Penguins fan perspective and say, yeah, that was entertaining. We got to see our team put up six goals shut out the opposition place was going wild but from a person sitting at home it wasn't the most exciting game by any means that's, yeah. what, that's what we said during the live stream yeah, like, we were live streaming during the whole game and we barely paid any attention to the game because it was just it wasn't entertaining it was six nothing it was yeah like at the end of the first period we were kind of like oh this game may be over already and then second period came and it was like yeah this game is over yeah i mean pittsburgh really came to play in that game i could tell from the opening face off they were really engaged and on that opening shift crosby basically split the d he drew a penalty and then they uh, scored on the power play that they got from that Schultz from the point. So they really upped the tempo uh, for that game. But to me, it was a must win situation for Pittsburgh because I strongly agree if they had a loss that game, Nashville would have won the series. Yeah, I think so too. In my opinion, I don't think Pittsburgh would have won the next two. No way. So we were doing the live stream. And one of the problems that we had with the live stream is that the chat is going so fast that we can't just watch the game and yeah. watch the chat at the same time. So we were kind of watching back and forth. So we actually missed the Subban Crosby incident and the chat was going crazy like what do you guys think about this what do you yeah. guys think about this and we didn't see it and I seen the replays after as a Pittsburgh fan what do you think well Crosby takes a lot of abuse for a guy who is a superstar in the league you know he's a big target and rightfully so because he's one of the guys you really want to get off their game Malkin included um you know, Subban roughed him up all series. Crosby roughs him up a little bit. They're probably two of the most competitive guys in the entire league. Subban is unbelievably competitive and he has a lot of heart and obviously a lot of character. Um, you know, Subban was kind of holding on to his leg and Crosby he was just kind of pushing on his head toward the ice. Um, you know, at the same time, I'm not trying to defend him, but hey, stuff like that happens, especially in the cup final. However, with his concussion history, you know, you think that would be one of the last things he would be wanting to do to anybody. You know, uh, obviously they weren't vicious shots to the head by any means, but still his head was bouncing between his fist and the ice surface. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Subban's father said it the best. He was in a Sportsnet interview or something like that the other day. And he said, you know, they were pretty much best friends at Sochi. Yeah, they and really were. Extremely competitive, like you just said. It's just uh, gamesmanship. Yeah, they just want to win. And I mean, Subban even said, like, after the game, you know, it's already forgotten. We're moving on to the next one. Yeah. That's the way you have to look at it. Uh, you know, you could go back to other series and, you know, key guys that Crosby mixed it up with. You know, there was a lot of the same antics, just like what went on between him and Subban. But at the same time, I wasn't 
really a fan of it, but I mean, by no means did he hurt him or anything like that. They were not vicious shots at all, but yeah. still it's not really necessary. If anything, give him the wet glove to the face. <laughs> yeah. So for those that are new to the podcast, we release Sunday nights. We actually record this on Saturday though. So the game for us is tomorrow night for you guys listening. It's either tonight or it's already happened. Exactly. So it's going back to Nashville. Pittsburgh is 0-3 when they get their first chance to eliminate their opponents this playoff. Do you think they're going to do it, or do you think it's going back to Pittsburgh for Game 7? I think it's going to Game 7. Uh, I don't see Pittsburgh going into that environment and being able to close out the Nashville Predators. That arena is unbelievable, and the Predators feed off it like you wouldn't believe. But obviously, them going home for their two home games and basically annihilating the Penguins really spoke volumes of how much the fan base really gets that team energized because Nashville in those two games were a lot better than games one and two, in my opinion. However, game four, I felt that was almost a little bit of a turning point because to me that was Pittsburgh's best game in the series, but it still wasn't enough because Nashville is just so energized by that crowd. Heck, I'm not even the biggest Nashville Predators fan there is. I was even energized by that crowd. Mm, yeah. I mean, that is just contagious. I wanted to be there. I wanted to join in the chance and have fun with everyone that was involved. I think the guy between the pipes was the most energized because he's played amazing at home, Pekka Rene, and played absolutely terrible uh, yeah. away from And it's not, I mean, it's not all his fault. The, the uh, Predators defense last game was atrocious. I'm actually going to ask you guys that. If it does go back to game seven, what does Pecorino have to do to overcome that? You know, it almost could be a question mark of would they start Pecorino in game seven, given his other performances in Pittsburgh. And I mean, if you look at the numbers of Pecorino in Pittsburgh, they are atrocious. And in this series, his goals against average is above a five (laughs) in this series in Pittsburgh. I mean, how do you really look past that? Would it be the game that maybe you take a gamble and you don't start him? I mean, that's a big, big question. And Laviolette, I'm sure, will contemplate it a little bit because based off the last few games, Rene has been absolutely terrible Mm. in Pittsburgh. And I believe if it does go to seven, uh, I believe Pittsburgh will be victorious. Do you think the line change has anything to do with how poorly he's been playing away? Or do you think it's just something about at home energizes him and he just can't seem to get it in PPG Paints Arena? It's kind of one of those things where everybody has a team that has their number. You know, whether you're a goalie, whether you're a player, uh, you could look at specific forwards and they have trouble putting up numbers against certain teams. And then you look at from a goalie perspective, they have trouble against a specific team. Yet if they play that same team in their home rink, they do fine. Um, you know, Lundqvist, uh, Pittsburgh kind of has his number. And with Pekka Rinne, man, Pittsburgh has his number if Nashville is in Pittsburgh. However, if they're playing in Nashville, it's the complete opposite. And Rinne has Pittsburgh's number. Mm. It's really strange how it is. I've I've seen a difference between you know like it's not uncommon uncommon to see the home team win each each game and then lose on the road, but the the goal differential in some of these games is crazy. I mean, I don't understand. It was because it was four one and then five one. I think Nashville and that was six nothing last night. It's just the games aren't even close. The past three games haven't even been close. And that's a funny comment because. The goals per game have gone up in the final. And all the playoffs before, we were seeing how many game sevens? How many overtimes? Like, it was unbelievable. And in this series, it's just been blowouts every Mm -hmm. game, it seems like, just on the scoreboard. I mean, it's entertaining in a way, but at the same time, regardless of who you cheer for, you kind of want it to be close to be more entertaining. I mean, that's more exciting hockey, so... I think a lot of it plays into the style uh, of these two teams. You know, they're really almost offense first, because if you look at the Predators... 
to me, they have the most offensive blue line in hockey, yeah. and that really creeps into their game. And they are full out offense first. And Pittsburgh's basically the same way. And that's how they're built. That's how Nashville's built. And I think that's why we're seeing these lopsided games because they're not designed to just shut down a game. They're designed to just, you know, keep pressing the play. However, Pittsburgh does have a bad habit. If they go up a couple goals, they kind of back off and allow teams to crawl back into games. But I, I blame a lot of it on just the way these teams are put together. Uh, that's their style. I'm going to ask you a question as a, as a fan of Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh had a chance to win, I guess tonight, if you're listening to this on Sunday or Sunday night, game six to end it all, or you had the chance for them to win at home on game seven and your heart's going to be racing the whole time because the game's closed. What would you rather have? Would you rather have an easy win on the road where, you, where you're happy your team has won? Or would you rather have that game seven where your heart's just beating and, and you just, you're worried and you're stressed and like, what's, what's the better uh, scenario for you? Oh man, I, I just want them to win, uh, <laughs> plain and simple. Cause I mean, you know, Pittsburgh has four Stanley cups and not one of those cups has come on home ice. And we no. talked about that. Not yeah, we one. Did. So if they did go back to Pittsburgh for game seven and Pittsburgh won in game seven, that would be history because that would be their fifth Stanley cup. And that would be their first one on home ice. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be huge for the franchise, for the city, and obviously for me as well, because I would be very excited. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Pittsburgh, but I, I would like to see any team win at home because it is exciting, regardless of the team. So Yeah, just to see the fans in attendance, you know, taking pictures and cheering and watching, you know, all their favorite players do their lap around the ice with the cup. I mean, it's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And Pittsburgh has never had that, even though they've won four Stanley Cups. It, it's almost as interesting to see them the team went on the road because Gary Bettman gets more booze. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. fans are already unhappy and they see that little guy walk out in the ice. Exactly. They just give it to him. Yeah. They'll boo him anywhere. I think if he walked into a Starbucks, he would get booed. If he walks into any NHL arena, he's going to get booed. Mm. Well, that might be a good segue into the Calgary relocation. So yeah, we, Neil and I talked about this. We had a video about it. We talked about it a little bit on the live stream, but we haven't heard your thoughts on this. So what are your thoughts on the, on the Brian Burke <laughs> coming out? Uh, for for those who haven't listened, he basically was speaking at a luncheon uh, in front of uh, business people and and uh, season ticket holders, and he was kind of going on a little rant about how Calgary uh, people are quote unquote smarter than the rest of the world because they're not investing in new infrastructure for a new complex, and he kind of got into it with a guy saying that we'll just move the team. It's it's kind of there's been some in- interesting uh, fallout from it a little bit after we made that video actually. Uh, some people have mentioned that the CEO also shares his his thoughts because he was actually on Primetime Sports about a month ago, and he said the same thing. If we don't get the deal, we'll just move. Yeah. So he basically said the same thing that Brian Burke did, but he didn't get as much flack for it. So I'm not sure why that was. And then another comment was, does this increase um, tensions between ownership and Brian Burke because of what this has caused? Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, Brian Burke's always been kind of known as a little bit of a hothead. You know, he kind of has that no nonsense attitude, get it done now. I almost think it was in a way strategic to kind of put pressure on specific parties in order to try to, you know, move forward with the new arena deal. I think that's what a lot of it was about. The Calgary Flames, in my opinion, will never, ever go anywhere. I mean, come on, that is such a hotbed for hockey. It would be the most foolish thing to move that franchise to a different city. There'd be a a riot. Oh, there'd be an absolute riot for sure. I mean, hey, Calgary does have one Stanley Cup championship in 1989. I mean, they're a lucrative franchise. Um, I mean, come on, it's in Canada. You could almost have a team anywhere and you'd be selling out that arena every night and you'd have fans participating. You'd have 
all kinds of jersey sales, all kinds of merchandise. I mean, there's just so much money to be made mm -hmm. as an NHL franchise in the city of Calgary. And those fans are beyond passionate. Yeah, absolutely. So so what are your thoughts on taxpayers paying? Like, should there should it be a 50-50 split? Should it be? I almost feel that provincial governments, when you're dealing with Canada, should kind of give a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. Because at the same time, you're bringing something to a city that a lot of people will get an insane amount of enjoyment out of. Um, I almost look at uh, NHL franchises more than just a business because for me, it's just a way of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a religion up here. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is in Canada. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I don't think it should be 100% dependent on that. Like, obviously, the parties involved, that uh, the ownership groups, like, obviously, they're the ones that should be forking out majority of the money because they're the owners and they're the ones that are going to be looking at it from that business mentality because they're in it to make money. They're not in it just to own a franchise. Yeah. And we're not financial gurus by any means. And I, there's a couple of thoughts I had after we did the video. The government gives subsidies to other industries. Like there are, there are major tax breaks for certain industries. Oh yeah. Fishing. So the question is, are they, are, is a hockey organization wrong to want the same subsidy when they're employing you know, thousands of people and giving so much money into that market. Yeah, that's that's a really tough one. I mean, you know, you look at a hockey franchise, it's so much more lucrative than a lot of other, you know, business types. That's one that would really, really be up for argument, but I don't think I'd be for it in all honesty. It's hard because, like I said when we did the video, if you're moving a new arena into a new city that doesn't have it already, then you're bringing new jobs with the hotels and the restaurants. Calgary already has that infrastructure in place. They're just trying to move it and upgrade it. So I don't know. What, do you think they end up getting a smaller complex or maybe just a, a, an arena deal out of it instead of the whole big thing that they want? Or? Yeah, I almost think they're looking a little too outside the box and they're trying to go too big. I, I think in time they're going to realize like, wait a minute, I think we're dreaming a little too big here and uh, they're going to kind of uh, haul it back a little bit and just concentrate on in a new arena complex and then that's it. You know, if, I mean, if you want to build out more in the future, I mean, that's fine. But right now you want to concentrate on just getting a new arena in place. That's it. I mean, that's the primary focus and that's what it should be. And we had some comments from the YouTube video uh, mm -hmm. from people in Calgary and they were basically saying, you know, this is the worst time to try to be asking taxpayers to pay for this because, you know, the oil, the oil crash and, you know, the fires and there's just the money's not there. There's money that taxpayer money needs to go in other places right now. And some people from Edmonton were even commenting saying that. We just barely got our deal in before this happened. And exactly, if, it, if yeah. it would have happened after, they probably wouldn't have got their deal either. Because that was a long time in the coming for the Edmonton situation. Yeah, big time. Sadly, you know, due to those events, it's almost kind of a bad time to really start, you know, poking this situation to say, hey, we want a new arena deal here in place. I mean, it's something that I believe that would still be years, maybe, you know, three, four years before things even get really, really serious. Um, you know, you don't just up and decide one day like, hey, we need a new arena. And then within two weeks, you start building one. I mean, it's a big, big process. Would you be disappointed if they decided to update the Saddle Dome instead of building a new arena? Because, I'd be all I mean, for it. Madison Square Garden's been around since 1968 yep. and they've yep. updated it a couple times. So. I mean, it's a great arena, in my opinion. There's a lot of history there. Plus, I just love the name. Yeah. <laughs> the Saddle Dome. I mean, yeah. come on. That's a badass name. But no, at the same time, I mean, that's not necessarily what they're looking for, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, I almost wish it was because then, you know, Calgary would forever have a home, in my opinion. And we would never have this, you know, silly talk of possibly relocating yeah. this lucrative franchise. It's silly. 
Yeah. It's frustrating because as a Canadian, you want to see as many Canadian teams in the NHL oh, yeah. as possible. And absolutely. Now we're dealing with the fact that Calgary might potentially have to leave. Although I think that's bogus. I don't think they're going anywhere. I said no. that in the video. Mm-hmm. I think it was strategic by Burke in order to put heat on specific individuals to yep. say, oh my God, wait a minute. Maybe we should take them seriously because, <laughs> hey, maybe they could relocate. But I mean, it's not so easy. You don't just decide, yeah, we're relocating. I mean, there's a lot of approvals involved. I mean, look at Jim Balsilli when he was stepping in and wanting to become an NHL owner. Oh, yeah. And he wanted to bring a team at Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I mean, that didn't exactly happen because he had to have approval from all the other owners if they wanted him to come in as an owner, move a franchise. I mean, you can't just buy a franchise and decide what you're going to do with it. Uh, even though you're an owner, at the same time, the NHL almost still kind of owns you in some ways. Exactly. Yeah. There's a the whole process. There's yeah. so many, there's so many different factors to go into. Uh, everything in the NHL is when it comes to, comes to the business side of stuff. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I have a question for you though. This has been requested a lot in the comments if, that we do a video about this. Um, so we can talk about it now and then we can make a video about it as well. But it has to do with relocation or new cities in general. What? Give me your top three cities you'd like to see a new NHL team in. Number one would be Quebec City, without question. I mean, Quebec was a very lucrative franchise when the Nordiques played there. And I was very sad to see them go because they were just at the beginning stages of becoming something great. Uh, I mean... Look at what Colorado did, you know, once uh, the Nordiques moved there. I mean, they won Stanley Cups. I mean, could that have been the Quebec Nordiques winning those Stanley Cups? I really believe so. Yeah, because of the the players. Yeah, because of the players that they had in the organization at the time. So it was really sad to see. Uh, Number two would be Seattle without question, uh, given their location to the Canadian border, I think there could be some interesting rivalries there. Big time. And I think a lot of Canadians would purposely come across the border in order to see, you know, Vancouver, probably even Calgary and Edmonton play in Seattle. And number three would be Kansas City. Yep. I really think Kansas City would be a hotbed for hockey. I totally agree with your list. I'd switch Seattle and, and the Nordiques, but otherwise those are my top three as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, that's, we, a, that's the same order I would do in the Yeah. Too. Yeah, and I know the NHL is eyeing up uh, Seattle. They're eyeing up Kansas City, but they're very quiet about talking, you know, Quebec City. Because I think deep down, Bettman doesn't want any more Canadian teams. And I actually mentioned to you guys earlier that I thought Bettman kind of cried inside when Atlanta had to relocate to Winnipeg. Oh, big time. He hated that, hated it. Uh, he did not want to see the Winnipeg Jets come back. He did not want to see an American franchise go under and have to relocate, that sort of thing. Uh, I think if any more Canadian teams did come up, um, he would not be happy about it whatsoever. And I honestly think he would try to stop it. Yeah, and there's two factors that go into the Quebec franchise. I mean, number one, it's Canadian. So the Canadian dollar sucks right now, which doesn't help. And number two, they're in the East. And there's an imbalance currently in the NHL. And they need more West teams. So yep. there's two extremely poor factors going against the Quebec franchise. And that's a that's a problem that Gary Bettman has right now is more than half of the revenue generated in the league comes from Canada. Yeah. And he his focus is on the states because that's what the currency of the league is dealt with. Yep. And you know, he always says, you know, before we can even entertain the thought of a city getting a new team, they have to build the arena first, which is a huge investment. Quebec builds the Club Videotron Center. They offer the 500 million and they still don't get the deal. What what are your thoughts if you're that ownership group? Like that that's a slap in the face to me. Yeah, huge. Yeah, it's very frustrating. You could come in and have all the money in the world. However, if the NHL doesn't want you in, 
you can't get in. It's almost like one of those elite clubs where you have to know someone in order to get a pass or like the stone cutters from the Simpsons. You had to be uh, the son of a member in order to gain access. You (laughs) know, it's like one of these elite clubs where only specific individuals can get in. And in my opinion, it's almost a little ridiculous Uh, because how could they ignore that market? Quebec City, come on, they would make so much money. Not only uh, Quebec as a franchise, but the NHL as a whole as well. They would make a ton of money if there was a hockey team, Quebec City. And to bring back that rivalry between Montreal and Quebec, that would be magic. Uh, I have a question, kind of a specific question. Hypothetically, if Quebec came back, do you think that an Atlantic team currently in the Atlantic Division would move to the Metro Division to help? balance the divisions in the east a little bit more and what team do you think that would be Mm. yeah that would be tough because i hate divisions i've actually said this in a video i wish that they would abolish divisions and just have west and east and have the top eight from each conference make the playoffs i hate divisions because uh look at this year how we saw uh the rangers down in the wild card meanwhile all top three in the atlantic had less points than the rangers yet they were ahead of the rangers in the standings i mean it was just ridiculous (laughs) it's such a silly system but yeah that would be an interesting debate about moving teams around uh you know you look at detroit they used to be in the west now they're in the east uh there's actually quite a few that you could argue are maybe in the wrong division should be somewhere else um you know, I'm really not sure. I have a funny fact for you. Oh. Uh, back when Vancouver came into the league, I can't remember the year. It was like 78 or something like that. Did you know that they were actually in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> no, I actually didn't know that. But <laughs> that is strange. absolutely ridiculous. Is because ridiculous. Vancouver is as far out west as it gets. Yeah. When they had the first expansion, they had two uh, conferences. The East, which was all the original six teams. And then the West, which was all the expansion teams, they did this on purpose because they they rigged it. So they they always wanted an original six team in the Stanley Cup final, which is funny. But then things got shuffled around after that, like when uh, Vancouver came in the league and then Buffalo right. and Islanders and stuff like that. Well, that's an interesting fact. I did yeah. not know that. But that's way before my time. <laughs> yeah. Way before. I only know that because um, today, today Saturday, I'm releasing the history of the NHL. Oh, you got the video done. It's done. Oh. Yeah. Done and exported. I just need to actually get you to review it mm-hmm. to make sure it looks okay and stuff. Yeah. So that video will be available before people listen to this podcast. So there's a good chance that they may see that video before they actually listen to this. Yeah. And I actually wanted to talk about this video. It's a, a good segue, I guess, unintentionally. So I mean, most of what we talk about on the channel is opinionated. It's current. It's whatever. There's not really any informative or educational material on the on the channel. This is the first video that's truly educational and it was designed for that. So my dad did the voiceover for it and he, you know, he took his time doing the research. He created the script. He made sure that all the important facts are in there. He talked about the WHA because that was an important part of, of how the NHL was formed. And, uh, it's about 16 minutes long, I think. And so you showed me the first clip of it a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I said, Whoa, that's going to be a lot of work for your dad. And then I was over here for the live stream and you showed me what you had so far. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was a lot of work your dad put into it. Yeah, huge. So it's, it's, it's a very good video. I really like it from what I've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's definitely going to be dry. It's a slideshow voiceover, basically. There's no video in it, but it is truly informative. And if someone didn't know the history of the NHL and they watched the video, they're going to learn so much. If you're a younger NHL fan, let's say, even if you're under 30, I would say, yeah, there's, I'm I'm highly doubting you know everything that's in that video. I I certainly didn't, and no. I love hockey. I've yeah. been following hockey all my life, and I learned so much. Just like I just said about the Vancouver starting in yeah. the East. Yeah. So 
I will give a public shout out to Brent for mm-hmm. his his contributions to that video because I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. Yeah, huge thanks to huge huge thanks to Dad for doing that. I really appreciate it. And that's just the first of many because next is the history of the Stanley Cup, and then the history of all. 31 teams, including Las Vegas. That'll be a short one. <laughs> and over the coming months, we can probably expect Brent to be involved in more things like videos and maybe podcasts. We'll, we'll try to work out a distance thing for the podcast. For people that don't know, Neil's moving back to PEI for a little while. Yeah. So we'll we'll try to figure logistics out for how to mm. meet, meet up and do things over the internet or whatever if we have to. I want to get back real quick to the division thing. Is the only downside to having no divisions in place the travel on the teams like other than that what is the reason the nhl wants divisions like they they want to create rivalries understand that but by doing that they're allowing powerhouse divisions to exist and they're also allowing poor divisions to exist which which we have seen in the last 10 years so what is the advantage to the nhl to have divisions in place like this yeah for them there's really two reasons one it puts uh, a lot of less travel on franchises because you're playing people within your division more often than people outside your division. Uh, number two, they want to create more rivalries. So then you have Pittsburgh and Philly playing more. You have Montreal and Boston playing more. Yeah. And that's something that they really wanted to cash in on. Um, now, my answer to this is simple. I hate divisions. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in order to kind of keep the integrity of what the NHL is looking to accomplish, have divisions in place. So then it saves on travel. It keeps rivalries intact. However, the divisions have no play on the standings within the conference. I completely agree. 100% agree with That's you. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see the standings just as East and West and the top eight make it. Not the top three from each division and then uh, the rest of the teams fighting for the two wildcard spots. I hate, hate, hate this setup. Yeah, completely And agree. then you have powerhouse teams playing in the second round. I mean, you had Pittsburgh and Washington playing in the second round this year in the playoffs. And if the format was reversed, they would have only probably met in the final, the mm. Eastern Conference final. So why should the most powerhouse teams in the East be playing in the second round? Like to me, that is just absolutely ridiculous. And that would be my answer to that of what the NHL should do about divisions. Yeah. And I think they've had this conversation many times over the past 10 years and all their meetings and stuff. And they just they just keep putting it off and, and they don't they don't want to do it. So I don't think we're going to see it, unfortunately. No, unfortunately. We don't have enough pull in no. order to make them change it. No. I wish we did. No. That'd be they, interesting because I have a few other suggestions I'd make. All kinds of suggestions. They don't <laughs> yeah. they don't know that we exist yet. Yeah. Or we'll probably ever will. So So why why did they go away from the the one plays eight, two plays seven situation? Was it just purely based on the divisions or? Yeah, they really just wanted to create more, uh, more rivalries and they wanted to have, you know, divisions in place so that key teams were playing each other more than other teams. And therefore it also reduced travel as well. Because if you have Pittsburgh playing, uh, teams like Philadelphia, the Rangers and Columbus more often than other teams, that's not a lot of travel really mm. between those cities. If you look at it geographically, uh, it's a huge benefit to the players in a lot of sense. But I bet you if you pulled the players, majority would be against the current standing system. Yeah. I honestly believe that. I want to ask you guys about something that was on uh, primetime sports. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. And it was Damian Cox who was saying this. He was talking to all the hockey guys. And what he was saying was basically he thinks that the regular season playoffs are kind of pointless right now because once you get in the playoffs, the parity is so high that literally almost any team can win. Some teams are better, but there are no great teams that are hands and foot above everyone else. They're just slightly better, I guess is what he's saying. And he wants to see more emphasis on 
the regular season meaning things. Like he says, the only thing people are watching for are the last few games where people are fighting for wildcard spots. And that's the only race that's in the NHL. Nobody cares who's on top. It ma- all that matters is once the playoffs hit. And he wants some sort of advantage being given to teams that, you know, finish higher up in the standings than the other teams. And the old system did that. It was one plays eight, two plays seven. And right now, like you said, it's not working that way. You had Pittsburgh and Washington facing each other in the second round. That's not much of a bonus if you're if you're playing well in the regular season. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Is there does the NHL need to do something to make the regular season more important or provide more of an, an incentive for teams to finish higher? Uh, like, just what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, there's good incentives in place. I mean, if you win the President's Trophy, uh, you have home ice throughout the entire playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like if you make it right through to the Cup Final, you're having home ice for every single series. And right now as well, uh, if you win your division, you have home ice as well to open the playoffs. So, I mean, that that's a big thing too. Um, however, I think if you had the one plays eight, two plays seven, to me, that's even more of an advantage because you're uh, purposely playing in your opening round uh, a lot lower seeded team. So therefore, in theory, your chances for success should be higher. However, uh, Nashville's kind of the odd one uh, to that this year because if you looked at it one through 16 of the 16 teams that made the playoffs, they were the 16th team. Hmm. And look where they are right now. And that was his point was that you have the 16th seeded team that most people didn't even have projected to make the playoffs in the final. And that's how high the parity is. Like basically like we've said a couple times, Ottawa was literally one shot away from beating Pittsburgh, even though Pittsburgh was the better team. I think a lot of it too is due to, you know, the cap era. It's, abolished certain franchises picking up all the big lucrative free agents and paying them whatever they wanted. Uh, The salary cap just spread them out across the league because if you look at the cap, every franchise can only afford so many superstars in their lineup. They can't just load up on whoever they want anymore. And because of that, it's really uh, made a more competitive league. And to me, night in, night out, it's almost impossible to predict winners anymore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I lose on pro line all the time. Yeah. I really do because it's that tough to pick winners. Would I have picked Ottawa to do what they did to Pittsburgh? No. Would I have picked Nashville to make it to the Stanley Cup final? No, but that's how competitive the league is right now, and I think that's a good thing for hockey. Uh, uh, Nobody would have predicted Nashville to sweep Chicago. That still blows my mind. Nobody. I, I know I didn't. I picked Chicago to win that series. Yeah. And look at me. <laughs> I'm sitting here still in shock. I can't believe Nashville did that. Yeah, crazy. Amazing. So what do teams have to do now to try to gain that edge on everyone else? Is it through drafting? Is it through, you know, proper placement of salaries? Like, is the GM job more important than ever now in the salary cap league? It's really about drafting. It really is. Getting your core in place and then cycling out everyone else on uh on your team. I mean, if you look at Chicago, if you look at their core guys with Taze and Kane and Seabrook, Keith, Crawford, okay, well, they've had a lot of guys in the lineup that won cups with Chicago. If you look at Andrew Ladd, but then what happened was, oh, his contract came up. Oh, he played well. He's due for a raise. Okay, let's ship him out. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in somebody with basically the same skill sets and just keep repeating our success. And that's what they did. Uh, Pittsburgh basically followed that exact same formula. They had their core in place with Fleury, Latang, Crosby, Malkin, and they just keep rotating in and out all the other guys. And it's creating success. And to me, drafting is just so, so important now, especially because it's a salary cap era. Whereas before, if you could spend all the money you wanted, who cares about drafting? We'll just offer the money exactly, and we'll bring yeah. them in. Yeah. You know, now you got to really focus on your developmental system and 
there's a lot of franchises that have an amazing developmental system. Uh, another one that comes to mind is Detroit and the young talent that they're bringing in all the time. And they just seem to find these guys at times overseas, these hidden gems, and mm. they bring them into their lineup and they just excel. So right now, because of the salary cap era, it's all about development through the draft. The NHL has never been more competitive than it yeah, is right now. It's very exciting. And I mean, from one game to the next, uh, you're always entertained because you really just don't know. I mean, if you look at years ago, uh, there were always some teams that just did terrible all oh, yeah. the time. And it was almost a given like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to lose tonight. Yeah, maybe I'll throw them on my pro line ticket because I know they're going to lose. Yeah. I mean, now, uh, I mean, it's almost impossible. And of course, because of the three-point system now as well, the standings are always so much closer. And therefore, you have teams fighting right up until the 82nd game of the season in order to try just to get into the playoffs. You see teams miss the playoffs by one point. Yeah. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. That's crazy. But that's another topic too about the three-point system. I'm not a fan of that. But. No. And that's one comment I wanted to make was, I can't remember who, someone was out, it was either this week or last week, it was one of the uh, GMs or coaches, and it was a team that missed the playoffs by like six or five points. And he's, they, they asked basically, you know, how are you going to recover from this next year? And he said, basically, we lost one more game a month than the other team did. Yeah. That's, that's, that's parody right there. Yeah, big time. I mean, if you look at it from this perspective, it, on an 82-game season, if you made it to overtime or the shootout and lost all 82 games, you're still finishing the year with 82 <laughs> it's points. Unbelievable. That's not enough to make the playoffs by any stretch. But with those 82 points, instead of maybe 12 ties, if you put in wins and gave yourself an additional 12 points, yeah. it's possible you could make the playoffs with only 12 wins on the season. Uh, of course, that something like that would never, ever happen. No. Uh, but it's still a possibility. And I just don't like the idea of rewarding points for losing the game. Yeah. But at the same time, I see their side of it because they always want the standings to be as close as possible because it makes for more competitive hockey. Mm -hmm. So I do see both sides of this argument. Uh, I think, J and Jason, your team, the Boston Bruins, is the perfect example. The last three years... The first two years, they missed the playoffs by, mm -hmm. I think, one point. And yeah. one was a tie. They had to do a tiebreaker with Detroit. And they lost it, yeah. And they lost to the tiebreaker. And then this year, they you know, they squeaked in, kind of. And, I mean, as a, as a Bruins fan, how frustrating is that? At the start of the season, I didn't expect them to be there. And I don't think most people did. Mm -hmm. like, like I've said this a few times, lines three and four, I, I didn't know barely any of the names. They were all call-ups, new people, because the salary has been managed so poorly in Boston, which is why one of the reasons they got rid of him and sent him to Edmonton, where he seems to be <laughs> getting Connor McDavid and everything sunny over there now. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston didn't make it again next year, because I think certain contracts have to come off the books and then they can yeah. start reworking things. Um, there's people coming up through the system that will be good eventually, but I'm not sure. Like I, like I said, I'm overly critical of my teams. Uh, I think I that's, that's normal. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I have a question for you. Do you remember the last time Pittsburgh Penguins didn't make the cup or the, the playoffs? Sorry. <laughs> didn't make the cup final. Yeah, I know no. that. The, uh, uh, yeah, the, the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. Uh, they missed the playoffs the first year that Crosby was in the league. So I'm going to say it was 2006. So that's my guess. Yeah, I, I, so it's I been know. pretty hard to be a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, basically. Yeah. yeah, they well, now that Detroit has missed the playoffs for the first time in what seems like a century, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh now has the longest consecutive playoff streak in the NHL. It's frustrating. No, it's not frustrating at all. I love it. <laughs> no, it's frustrating. <laughs> I want to ask you guys about an ownership management level type question. 
how do you manage your team when they don't make the playoffs when it's basically a roll of the dice whether you're going to make it or not? Like you could you could send out the exact same team you played this year next year and they could make it. So, you know, fire the coach, fire this, switch up the players. Is all that stuff still needed in the league now because of how much parity there is? Like, is is there still an argument for that, or is it just we lost, the fans are unhappy, we got to do a shake up just to show that we're we're trying to do something? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, you know, you really have to know your team and know what you have for assets. Uh, you could be one of the better teams in the league, and you could still miss the playoffs. I think a lot of people were shocked that the LA Kings missed the playoffs this year. Yeah. I know I was. Are they in a position where they should look at that franchise right now and say, well, maybe we should blow this up a little bit because we missed the playoffs? Absolutely not. On paper, the LA Kings look stellar to me. Mm. Um, you know, they just had some, some durations this season where, you know, they just didn't have that success. Uh, yeah, you could look at some injuries over the season, but I don't think they were really plagued with injuries compared to other teams out there. Uh, but I really think LA will bounce back next year and they'll make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, you do have those situations where teams play amazing and they can still miss. I mean, that's the NHL today. That's what it's like. Yeah. Like, I think Tampa could be a team that makes it again next year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Same and, with Philadelphia, too, maybe. And and Carolina has a bunch of young rookies just like Toronto that are up and coming. <laughs> so there's teams that made it this year that would have to not make it next year. Like, I would say Ottawa would be one that I would pick, unfortunately, even though they went as far as they did. Agreed. I, I think Boston's a team that could not make it. Agreed. Who else of the list of teams that made it this year would you say could be a team that you could see them falling back just a little bit and having teams come up over them? Minnesota. Yeah, I was just thinking Minnesota. Really? Yeah, Yeah, I really think Minnesota overachieved this year. I am so sorry, uh, Minnesota Wild fans, but I really thought they overachieved this year. Yeah, I did I could see them missing the playoffs next year, unfortunately. Bruce Boudreau seems to be a coach that does very well in the regular season and then the playoffs hit flatline. He's cursed. Yeah, he is. And I don't know what that's all about. I've always considered Bruce Boudreaux a very smart and a very good coach. Uh, but man, he just cannot have any playoff success. Now, a lot of it is due to him being the coach of the Washington Capitals. I mean, that franchise is just cursed in the playoffs. So that didn't really help his resume at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really think in time they'll be a good franchise. Uh, but I think they're still several years away. There's key pieces they still need big time. I think Calgary's another team that we could see drop or we could see rise. We don't really know. It's going to depend on what they do in the offseason. Uh, I think San Jose could fall. I mean, they're going to lose Marlowe Thornton and they need to figure out if you got their contract situations uh like i said earlier i think philadelphia will probably rise a bit in carolina like you said jason and i mean there's there's gonna be a lot of change next year i think as far as structure or as far as uh standings yeah for me it would be the tampa bay lightning will have the biggest rise next year yeah i still think they're that good of a team and i'm still in shock that they missed the playoffs yep crazy i really am in shock what do you think about buffalo how far away do you think they are from kind of putting an impact into things Buffalo's still a long ways away, <laughs> in my opinion. And I'll tell you why. I really think the biggest issue in Buffalo is the ownership. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, you know, the ownership just has their hand in the cookie jar way too much. Uh, you know, you bring in Dan Bilesma and you get rid of him. And, you know, is that the ownership who should be stepping in and say, you know what, I'm firing the head coach? I mean, you really need to have trust in your GM. And how can your GM do his job up to his caliber if he's always having to look over his shoulder to see if the ownership's agreeing with what he's doing? So then, okay, well, if the ownership wants to run it that bad, why do you even need a GM if you're just going to overstep them everything they do? Exactly. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I feel really bad for Buffalo Sabres fans. They've been waiting so long. Yeah. It it, it was like you said on the other day, Buffalo has a good 
fan base. They have one of they the really best do. fan bases in the league, the it, most loyal. And if Buffalo had a good team, there would be an awesome rivalry with Toronto. Oh, it would be huge. It would be huge. I still think Buffalo should have won the Cup in 1999. I agree. That goal shouldn't have counted. I agree. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Buffalo definitely deserves better. Uh, you know, the ownership there, they really need to separate themselves between being an owner and being a fan. And I think they're almost too big of a fans, and they just feel as the owners, you know, we always need to do something to try to have success. And I think a lot of it is, you know, they're going for that immediate success, but sometimes it's a big building process as well. Uh, I think in a few years, Buffalo could really be something, but the biggest hurdle is their ownership. Unfortunately, they need to take a step back and just look at it from an ownership perspective and leave the rest alone. 100% agree. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this one up now. It's a little bit shorter than normal, but Justin's time is limited and Neil wants to get a couple of videos out. So we'll stop it now. For those who are aware of the podcast giveaway, it's not going to be this episode, but I will say right now it will be in the next one. Yes. In so, the next uh, episode. This will not be repeated anywhere else. It will not be on YouTube. It will not be in any live stream. So if you're hearing this, keep it to yourself. Increase your chances of winning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Only available if you listen through the app or podcast. Yeah, and uh, we're filming at a different location today. We're filming at my place, which is a lot more echoey, and there's some background noise. So if the audio quality suffered in this episode, I uh, apologize for that. Uh, I think it's all right. Sounds good to me. So, Justin, good to see you. Good to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, yeah it felt great to be back. Thanks for coming. All right, guys. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Adios. <laughs>